So today I wanted to um, continue really a little bit. Uh, I mentioned last Sunday, this, uh, we're aiming this year to go uh, really further up and further in and, and further out as a church. And uh, I guess this talk today really is more about the further up part. It's about further up. And it's not so much of a teaching, I have to say. It's not so much looking at a passage and opening it up. It's more about pondering a theme. So I hope that's okay. And it really starts off with uh, some scriptures from the Old Testament. Surrounds these particular verses. Jeremiah 3 is the first one where God is speaking and he says, I myself said, how gladly would I treat you like sons and give you a pleasant land, the most beautiful inheritance of any nation. I thought you would call me father and not turn away from following me. And it's a great verse. It's one of those very rare passages in the Old Testament that carries a sense of God's heart to be Father. It's a heart scripture, really, isn't it? You catch the yearning. I thought you would call me Father. It's like a yearning there. I yearned for you to call me Father. It's a heart verse. And you'll see the same verse and the same theme in a few other passages too. Hosea is a very famous one in particular, uh, the 11th chapter, where again God is speaking and he says this, When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. It was I who taught Ephraim to, to, to walk, taking him by the arms. And it's a wonderful tender passage. I mean, how many mums or dads know what it is to kneel down and take your one-year-old or your one-and-a-half-year-old by the arms and you teach them to walk? It's a wonderful intimacy, isn't it? And then he goes on to say this. He goes on to say, I led him, it says, with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To him, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek and I bent down to feed them. Yes, a beautiful passage. Can you imagine? Any parent will know what it is to pick up your, your child and put their cheek next to yours. It's very intimate. It's very, very intimate. And I just think these verses are amazing insights into the heart of God, into like windows, really, into the heart of God. And the fact that they're in the Old Testament underlines for me that it has always been in God's heart, actually, to have son, daughters and sons. It's always been in his heart. In fact, the Bible says that the idea of fatherhood itself comes from him. And so it says, uh, Ephesians 3, it says that God, it says Ephesians 3, it's from God that all fatherhood, earthly or heavenly, derives its name. It's a wonderful thing. In other words, the idea of fatherhood found in every culture or the root of it, despite how damaged by sin, the root of fatherhood is found in the heart of God. He is a father and actually he's been so from all eternity to the son. Right? He has always been a father. And so we find, and, and his whole plan of salvation actually is to bring us into that relationship too. That's what salvation is all about. And so we find this in Ephesians, the first chapter, uh, Paul says this, that he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. In other words, God had a plan long before the foundation of the world to make us his children. And Jesus' death on the cross is the means, the way to make it happen. 
So let's be clear, Jesus went to the cross not just to save us from hell, as enormous as that is, that's still only the first step. Actually, primarily, he died to bring us into his intimate circle that we should be his daughters and sons. That's the point. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that his fathering of us was always his plan, and it's always been in his heart. It's a heart thing with God. And it's so important that as Christians, we understand what that means, and what it looks like then to have God as our Father, and actually what it feels like to have God as our Father. Christianity is an experiential faith what it feels like to have God as our Father. Last Sunday I mentioned a, a certain author, J.I. Papaka, uh, and Packer is one of the most respected evangelical scholars, really, of the 20th century, a profound scholar, theologically so clear and balanced. And back in 1973, he wrote this book here, Knowing God. How many here actually read that book? It's one of those classics. Over a million it says sold, actually it's 1.5 million now. It's one of those classics, if you've never read it, buy it. It's a classic, it's a tremendous book. And Steve is going to read a passage from that book, and I want you to listen very carefully to what Packer is saying here, all right? So listen very carefully, it should blow your doors off. Okay, thank you, Steve. <laughs> blow your doors off. Well, <laughs> sorry about that. You sum up the whole of New Testament teaching in a single phrase if you speak of it as a revelation of the fatherhood of the Holy Creator. In the same way, you sum up the whole of the New Testament religion if you describe it as the knowledge of God as one's Holy Father. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his Father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctly Christian as opposed to merely Jewish is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name for God. Okay, just let that sit there for a second. That's a very profound statement from a very respected scholar. Just a little segment from it again. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. Father is the Christian name for God. Tremendous. Just let that hang there. In other words, to talk about God as father is not some new fad. You know, the Father heart of God, what next? Nor is it a, a kind of a something we tack on to our prayers, our Father which art in heaven. Actually, Packer is saying, excuse me, it's at the core of Christianity. <laughs> it's what it's for. And that's got to affect our lives. And so he says this, again he says this, if this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. And I still think one of the greatest challenges that we face is that although we know something of God as Father, we still struggle to live in the good of the experience. It's a little bit like this. It's a bit like knowing up here that there's ice cream out in the, out in the, in the fridge uh, as opposed to tasting it. All right? 
It's, uh, it's like knowing that up here you have a TV in the lounge, but you never turn it on. Uh, it's like knowing up here that you live, live within a kilometer of the beach, but you never go there to enjoy it. Uh, our family were down there last Friday night, a beautiful evening down at Plymouthton Beach. It was just phenomenal. And we're sitting there, and it's so gorgeous down there. And I remember thinking, it's within a kilometer of our house or so, you know, within a mile of our house, and I never come down here. That's tragic. And you know, it's how we can often be with the truths of Scripture, especially this one. We can know up here that God is our Father, but never fully taste or enjoy the experience. So, over the years, one of the great challenges I've set, set, set my own self, myself, is to explore how I can allow, <coughs> how I can allow this truth, sorry, <coughs> frog in the throat, how I can allow this truth that God is my Father to affect how I live. And every now and then, something comes my way that really helps. And a few months ago, that's what happened. Something came my way. Actually, it was a simple phrase, almost a throwaway phrase, really, and I heard it in a sermon about a totally different subject. But my testimony is that this phrase is affecting me deeply because, for me, it's bridging the gap between theology and life, between truth and my heart. And today is your lucky day because without charge, I'm going to share this phrase with you. All right? How generous of me. I don't say you're going to get anything for free. You do. And uh, so hold on to your hats. This is the phrase. Drum solo if we had one. You cannot resist me. You cannot resist me. Just a little phrase there. But I argue that this phrase really does unpack and apply the truth of God's fathering into certainly my life and I trust into yours. You cannot resist me. I want to just bring out a couple of points to illustrate why I think this phrase is so profound. First of all, it's a phrase that really does shed light on the passionate hold I have on the heart of God. Yeah? It really does shed light on the passionate hold I have on the heart of God. And I say that because this phrase, I think, describes the kind of attachment, the kind of emotional draw that any child has on his parents. Yeah? Now, now please hear me. I'm not saying that a child can order a parent about or demand to have their own way. You cannot resist me. I'm not talking about this kind of child. No, not at all. But what I mean is that, is that a child has an access to the affections of a mum or dad that just can't be ignored. Not if they're real parents. Because you see, it's an emotional attachment that automatically comes with the relationship. It comes with the territory. And it's true, isn't it? And it arrives almost at the very moment the child comes out and is born. The attachment is made then. In fact, Julie and I, we used to love watching a program on TV. You remember this one here? One born every minute. You remember that series? It's a series where every episode you follow a, a two or three couples through to birth. All right? So they, they, they arrive at the maternity suite and the program is all about the last few hours and then birth. I mean, it's not the kind of thing you'd watch eating spaghetti or something at night. It's not that kind of... But, but, but this series, there's so many series of them, so many seasons, I think we watched every, every single episode of it. 
And uh, so I could deliver a baby no sweat, basically. Because <laughs> I saw it happen so many times. But the thing that I used to find so captivating was watching the dads, actually. Because you'd see such a range of dads on the show. So you'd see your kind of long-haired, arty types. You'd see your executives, your clean-cut types. You'd see your, you know, your tattooed thugs and skinheads. You'd see a, a whole range. And some of them were kind of rebellious teenagers still. They were so young. But when the baby finally appeared, what you saw was many of these young guys ambushed by feelings they did not understand and were taken by surprise. And I mean, some of these tough guys, you know, they'd have tears rolling down their cheeks. You know, or some of these self-contained execs will be in the corner quietly falling apart as they experience these feelings. Others will be shocked. And it was very moving. It was like, for these guys, an emotional connection was being made for the first time. Maybe for the mum, I don't know, I can't answer this, but maybe for the mum that connection had already grown through the pregnancy, I don't know. But, but, but for these guys, something happened at that moment. And it was very, very powerful. And it's true, isn't it? And many of you young dads here will know this. Something happens. And I know that because as a young father, I still remember this very clearly. I still remember holding Sam in my arms and the feelings that hit me. I mean, the first feeling, to be honest, was shock. I remember Julie giving birth, and here I was holding this baby, and I thought, this is my child. And so first it was shock, then, because I'd never had a child before, but I had had a cat, I remember thinking, <laughs> do, I, do I pat it or stroke him? It really got through my head. And, uh, and then I thought, oh, well, what do, I, do I kiss or cuddle? He's a bloke. What, what do I... I remember all these range of conflicting feelings going on inside, and yet all the time something was stirring far deeper than anything else. And I can remember this incredible need, I remember the need at the time, I had to tell everybody. I couldn't keep it in. I still remember going back home to where we lived and uh, knocking on the doors up and down the street, you know, just saying, I've had a son, I've had a son, I'm a father. And they're all looking at me like, yeah, okay, very good, you know. Hallelujah, you know, congratulations. I thought well, it was just such a shock. But this love, this, this affection rose up in me and I remember there came a distinct point holding him in my arms late at night and I had this moment where I caught myself thinking, I would die for you. I remember it very clearly. I would, at a moment, die for you. And it was like this baby had taken my heart, my affection, and I couldn't change it or ignore it. And so it is, and as the years passed, we had more sons, and this affection came to the surface again and again. You see, what is that? That's, that's love that comes with the territory. It does. It's the nature of the thing. The bottom line is, because they are your child, they have access not just to your house, not just to the legal documents that prove that you're their parents, they have access to your heart. And as the years go by, you know what else I found? I found that that feeling never really goes away. <laughs> never does. They just get bigger, but it never actually changes. Your heart cannot resist them no matter what they do. It's the prodigal son all over again. It's the heart of the father. And the point is this, that if we being evil know how this feels, then how much more your heavenly father, who invented fatherhood in the first place, and who is perfect in all things. Wonderful. And also went to such lengths and paid such a price to make it happen. Now, does this mean to me that God is now no longer 
holy, 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 sovereign. He's just dead now. Does it mean that? Well, no, of course it doesn't mean that. No. He is Alpha and Omega. He is beginning and the end. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He reigns in glory. Around him, countless angels and saints are falling down in worship. But through the death of his son and the work of his spirit, he has reached down and created this arrangement whereby he graciously lowers himself to the point where he cannot resist his love for me. Wow, what amazing grace. He makes himself my father. How gladly would I treat you as sons. Wonderful. And let me tell you, as I've pondered this phrase, you cannot resist me, it's done wonders for my enjoyment of God's affections. And you know, I'm sure about this as well, that this is partly why God enables us to become mums and dads, so that we might have a little bit of an insight into how he already feels. He cannot resist loving me, he cannot resist loving you. The only question you need to be sure about is, are you his child or not? If you are not, then none of what I've just said applies. You are still out in the dark. And the sad thing is that we're living in a world full of spiritual orphans, you know, people who have lost their way, who don't know who they are, and who desperately, desperately, eternally lonely. But all that's required is that we humble ourselves before him, accept his way of salvation, and put our trust in Jesus, and we are welcomed in. We are truly born again. And if you've never done that before, well, I'd say to you is why wander the earth as an orphan any longer? Why not come into the family? You cannot resist me. That's the first thing. Is it, it, it teaches me about the hold that I have on the heart of God. The second thing this, this phrase does is it does wonders for prayer, I found. Does wonders for prayer. As I think about the hold any child has on the heart of any normal mum or dad, as I realise I have this hold on the heart of God the Father, I know then that it's so easy to get his attention. He cannot resist me. And we understand this as parents, don't we? You know, when a child cries at night, maybe they're sick or there's a nightmare. Or Look, there's one thing you can't do as a parent, isn't there? And I'll tell you what, what you can't do. You can't carry on sleeping. Can you? You can't. You can't carry on sleeping. You may try and bury your head in your pillow. You may moan and groan and nudge your wife or your husband and say it's your turn. But you can't ignore it. That's because they have an access to your heart. You can't just drift off or put them off. You have to respond in the end. And actually your heart responds to the first cry. You're awake just like that. Even if a baby now, this morning, cries out in the Helen Smith room, you can tell whose they belong to. Because you'll see the parents beginning to twitch. In fact, I was going to go out the back there and maybe poke a little boy in the eye or a little girl in the eye and just see what happened. Just see what the result would be. But that would be off. I wouldn't do that. But, but you can tell. You can tell, can't you? You can tell whose they are. You can't ignore. Even in a crowded room, if your child cries out, you know their voice. The thing is, if my child's cry reaches into my heart as imperfect as I am, how much more does my cry reach the heart of my heavenly Father who created fatherhood in the first place and who is perfect in all things? 
Again, that doesn't mean that as a parent you always give in to your child and do whatever they ask. Of course not. You love them too much. But the point is they have a place in your affections that you cannot resist. You have to respond. Therefore, I find I have incredible motivation to pray. Because I know I'm heard. I know I'm heard. Quite often these days as I find myself praying, I'm saying to God, God, I know you can't resist me. I know you hear me. It's a wonderful thing. I know you hear me now. And that's not arrogance. That's simply acknowledging how it is. And I'm so thankful that God created this relationship in the first place. It was never my idea. It was always his. And it was he who created it in the first place. The point is, I know I'm heard. And look, that does wonders for your prayer life. And uh, look, if you've absolutely believed, it's true, if you absolutely believe you had the ear of God and that he heard you every time you prayed, you'd be praying far more than you do now. Wouldn't you? Well, this is why you can be sure. This is why you can be sure. This phrase reminds me that I have that kind of access. I love John 16 when Jesus is talking about prayer. He simply says this, I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you. In other words, he's saying, look, you don't need to ask me to speak to him for you. You ask him directly. The Father himself has his ear open to you. It's wonderful. This is what Jesus opened up for us. This is what the Father sent him for. You and I have such a place before God, it would transform our lives if we really understood it. And you know, when I think of all that God went through to create this relationship, how he sent his son to die butchered on a cross for my sin, when I think of the cost, I think, how dare I settle so easily for living as an orphan? How dare I settle for that? When he died for me to live as a son and a daughter. Especially when I also know that he pours out his spirit to enforce that and speak that into the very deepest being of my heart. That is why he left his spirit. That is why he poured out his spirit. Folks, I want to encourage you to understand. It's a sense of the truth. Roberta talked about it earlier. Nothing can separate you from the Father, the love of God. It's living in the good of that truth. Folks, if we did, we would find a lot of other things would decrease in size. Issues, problems, challenges, because we know we are heard and we know that we are truly loved. Amen? Amen. Let's stand, shall we? More of a short meditation this morning, but I think it's a profound one. And I say that because there are some of you here, you know in your head, and you've known it for a long, long time, that yes, God is your Father. But often you feel like an orphan. You know, the Father would say to you, how gladly would I treat you like sons. And with that comes an invitation right now to draw near to him. I wanted to bring this because I know that it's actually impacting my life profoundly. There's a song that we sing sometimes. It's about the heart of the Father. It's very profound and powerful. But as you are standing there, can I ask you to just forget about the person next to you. And just before we sing it, I'm going to just pray and ask God by his spirit just to speak deep, deep into our hearts the truth of what we're looking at this morning. Father, we thank you so much that you are here. 
Father, I praise you that you have set this up so that you cannot resist me. Lord, you have deigned, as it were, to step right down to enable me to call you Father. Lord, you have limited yourself, as it were, sovereignly and in your grace that you can be affected by what I do and say. What amazing love. Father, I thank you that you cannot resist us. Thank you, Lord, that you hear us because you've made us your children. By definition, you hear us at our first cry. We praise you for that. Now, as we sing the song, I'm going to ask you just to allow the words of the song to hit you again. And even as you do, understand that the Spirit will come there are some of you and you know you felt like orphans recently you felt overwhelmed maybe there are situations that you're facing you think how can this ever change maybe you felt rejected by family or friends in some way and you're feeling very isolated and alone maybe there's a cloud that you just can't shift well as you sing this I'm believing that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and bring you a wonderful sense of the love of the Father that can set you free. Let's sing it, shall we?